Well, hey, good morning, Lake Point. Happy Sunday. Can we just put our hands together for just a moment for Mary for sharing her story with us this morning? If you are on site, just put your hands together. Let her know how grateful you are for her. If you're online in the chat, just type a big thank you. You can put the, the little heart emoji right now just to let her know that we are grateful for her in the life of our church. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with just how much bravery it takes to step in front of a camera and to, to share a part of your story with the world. But um, we love Mary at Lake Point. Um, she is probably the single biggest factor uh, in terms of staff for making sure that things happen day in and day out. She is the office administrator. Uh, she does everything, including hounding me for all of the receipts that she needs. So first off, apologies, Mary, uh, this month, um, I think I got most of them. Um, but regardless, I know you'll come find me. So uh, big thanks to Mary. Big thanks to Mary. We love her. And happy Palm Sunday. It is Palm Sunday. It is the week before Easter. And what an exciting time. What an exciting season in church. Um, you know, we feel like we're beginning around the corner with some of this COVID stuff. Spring is in the air. Uh, I think last week we had a couple days that were touching 60 degrees. I got outside. I went outside for the first time in a long time and it felt incredible. My disc golf game is uh, subpar, but I suppose that's nothing new. Um, but yeah, beautiful season, beautiful time to be in church. And we are so grateful that you're here, whether you are in person, in the auditorium right now, uh, watching this with people next to you, or you are on, or you're online at home, maybe you're uh, in a living room, maybe you're, you're in a kitchen, maybe you're on your phone, maybe you're in a car, regardless, we are just so grateful that you have chosen to join us this Palm Sunday. Uh, my name is Matt and I have had the privilege of being the creative pastor here, leading worship and doing a lot of the creative and communications things for nearly three years now. Um, and it has been exciting, it's been fun, and I've never been more excited for a season at Lake Point than I am right now. It is Palm Sunday um, and we're gonna, we're gonna be concluding a series that we have titled um, the Stories Where Heaven Meets Earth. <laughs> I almost forgot it for a second, but it is titled The Stories Where Heaven Meets Earth. And as we wrap up this 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 series, uh, I wanted to quickly just run you through what we've been going through so far. And that's um, what it takes to share a part of your story, the overlapping stories that we all have as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, as just fellow members of mankind. Um, we each have a story and those stories, they intersect and they overlap. And ultimately uh, there's a moment where the stories of heaven come down and touch the stories of earth. And we're just talking about how to share those types of stories, those rich, deep spiritual stories. And today I want to close out this series. And if you need a title, if you're taking notes, if you want to write anything down, the title of my sermon today is Alternate Endings. I want to be talking to you this morning over the next few minutes. We want to talk about, uh, talk from the subject of alternate endings. So if you have a Bible or if you're online or if you have your phone, even you can use the digital Bible uh, and turn with me to Mark chapter 11. We're going to read through this, this Palm Sunday narrative. We're going to read through the triumphal entry together. And I think we're going to be able to pull out something really, really cool out of this week's passage. And so why don't you turn there with me, Mark chapter 11, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV. It should be up on your screen. It says this, Mark chapter 11, verse 1. 
says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, that's Jesus and his group of followers. When, he, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say back to them, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they said to them, just what Jesus had said. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. So I would call it Palm Sunday. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father, David, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. We're talking to you from the topic today of alternate endings. Why don't you pray with me one time and we will dive right in. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you uh, for these minutes and these moments to come together and to, to sit under your word, to hear your word, God. I pray that wherever we are, whether it's on site or online or in a home or even alone, God, that your spirit would just begin to move that your Holy Spirit would begin to, to stir in our hearts, to, to open our ears, to open our eyes. And God, that, that this would be a moment, not just to hear a message, not just to, to read some scripture or to tell some stories, God, but that this would be a moment and an encounter with you. God, we need you in this place wherever we are. We love you and we believe your spirit is already here and is already moving. Jesus, I pray for these next few moments. These words that, that are not just mine, but God, that, that you, would, you would superintend and you would supersede my own ability or my own vocabulary, God. You would, you would meet people where they are and move them in spirit and in truth. God, we love you and we praise you in this place. Amen and amen. Hey, have you ever had high expectations, but then had them dashed? Like, have you ever had your expectations, like, deeply subverted? And I don't necessarily mean the sort of uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi type of expectation subversion, where you kind of walk away feeling like, what in the world just happened? Um, or, but, but have you ever had a moment in your life, or a moment in time, or a season in your life where you had these very lofty expectations, only for them to be completely subverted or, or met in a completely unexpected way. So maybe for you, it was a job offer that you were super excited for and you showed up and you realized this job is not at all what I thought it was going to be. Or maybe, maybe you, as a first time parent, you see the, the photos on Instagram of all the parents that seem to have it together. And all of a sudden you realize that baby came, came it is here and that's as a person. This is a real person that I have to take care of and watch and, and it's so much more responsibility than maybe you had anticipated. Oh, well, I wanna give you one example for me. Um, recently, I, I got engaged just a little bit over a year ago. It was early March of 2020 and safe to say, she said yes, I, I proposed she said yes, that is an important, uh, very important part of the story, but it was uh, safe to say that early March of 2020, I was very excited. My expectations were very high. I had just got the 
girl of my life, the love of my life to say yes. We were so excited to begin preparing for a wedding. We were so excited to come home and celebrate. And not even a week later, COVID happens. So we are so excited. We, we're, we're making plans to have the engagement parties. We're ready to celebrate with friends. We're, we're planning our, our dream wedding. And we're so excited. And then all of a sudden, life just kind of happened in a way that we didn't really expect. And, and I remember very early on, you might remember early on too, the last year has felt maybe a little more like a decade. But uh, at the very beginning, we all kind of had this sense that like something was different for the next couple of weeks. Like we had stocked up on the toilet paper. We'd stocked up on the, the, the milk and bread. We were ready to lock down for a couple of weeks. Um, but we really had the sense that this was going to be over by Easter. And so, you know, we'll just push back the engagement party. We'll push back, you know, some of the wedding planning and we'll, we'll do the late summer, maybe early fall. And, and it's going to be great. And, uh, we just, we just didn't really have a sense of how disruptive this moment would be. We, we, we initially thought this is going to be over by Easter and very quickly realized, no, it wasn't. Uh, and then we decided, you know, maybe we can just have a small wedding. And then we decided, oh, well, no wedding is going to work because uh, these social distancing things, they, they're going to keep us from having any wedding. And then, well, you know, things are turning a corner. And so all of a sudden, by August, maybe we can have the big wedding we dreamed of. No, you can't. But maybe we can have the small wedding. Well, how about something in the middle? And it just got chaotic. What we ended up doing uh, was not at all what we had planned. We had already booked an entirely different venue. And about five weeks before the wedding, we had to rebook venue, rebook catering, call a friend to bake a cake for us. Uh, and so safe to say, um, five weeks before our wedding, we had no real clue what it was going to look like exactly. Our expectations, it's safe to say, were quite subverted. We went from the wedding of around 100 people with some extended family and, some, and a, a wider circle of friends to a wedding of about... 25 people in a completely different location than we had thought. And um, I have to confess, most people go about their wedding. They, they finish with the wedding day and they, they think to themselves like, wow, that, that flew by. I could barely remember everything. What I realized, though, afterwards is what I thought I wanted and what we thought we needed and the expectation that we had probably wasn't even going to be as good as what we actually got. See, instead of feeling the pressure to mingle and talk with hundreds of people and to bounce from table to table, we really just had 30 of our closest friends and our closest family, and we got to celebrate together. So even though our expectations were deeply subverted, our idea of what we wanted was completely thrown out the window, we actually ended up with a beautiful wedding and one that I don't know that I would trade for anything. In fact, if I could go back and replan the wedding from the beginning, it might be that exact wedding, COVID or no COVID, that I would have gone with. And one of the things that I love about Jesus is the way that he tends to, in his life and teaching, take these expectations Take the things that people thought they wanted from a Messiah. Take the things that they thought they wanted from the Son of God. Turn them on their head and actually turn them into something so much better and something so much more than they ever thought they could have wanted. See, 
When we pick up on the story in the life of Jesus in Mark 11, we're picking up at what would probably be considered one of the highest points in his ministry. What could, you know, if you were an observer or a follower of Jesus, this was the beginning of his ascent into kingliness. So, so what you have to understand is the concept of a Messiah, the concept of a savior, the concept of who they thought Jesus had actually come to be was not that of a suffering servant Messiah. He was actually that of a king. He was a military. He was a political figure. So to a first century Jew, Jew if you were following Jesus, if you, were, you had the expectations of a savior, you actually expected him, uh, while living under this Roman occupation, living under this military rule, this dictatorship, this sort of, um, you, you were living under the occupation of a foreign country. You expected a Messiah who would come, and he was there solely to overthrow that military occupation. They expected a king, a military figure, a political warrior who was going to come and save them from living under the rule of Rome. And so that's what's happening in the story, this Palm Sunday story, is Jesus is entering on a donkey. He's entering into his future kingdom. And the people there are essentially anointing him as king, anointing him as ruler, preparing the way for him. That's that moment of, of laying down of palm branches, laying down of cloaks. What they're essentially doing is they're anointing Jesus as their king. They're confirming his rule. They're confirming that he is going to be the one that, that leads them out from under the rule of Rome. They are excited. There's all this kingdom language. There's all this dominion language of of uh, uh, the the king riding in on the donkey. It's, it's it's very much this imagery that the the audience of the day, the people of the day. If you were a first century Jew, Jesus was there to overthrow Rome, and this was the moment you had been praying for. This is the moment that you had been been desperate for God to bring you had for 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 a generation or more living under the the occupation of a pagan and in this case it's a it's a, a more of an ethnic statement than it is a uh, um, a put down in this case um, but but living under pagan rule this was the moment that you were most excited for it was the moment that the Messiah was going to come and through military power overthrow the rule of Rome. This was the expectation, and the expectations were high, but what I love about the life of Jesus is how quick he is to subvert them, because here he is, the, the king, anointed king, ready to, to come in and conquer, ready to deliver a people from under the, the rule of, of a very difficult and a tyrannical government. What is the first thing Jesus does? So here he is, he's come in, he's rode in on the donkey, People are ready. They have, they have anointed him king. They are ready to receive him as a military ruler. What's the first thing he does? And we're going to skip back to, to, to Mark 11, 11. It says this, And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So here's Jesus. He's come in. He's been anointed. He's been welcomed. He's the king. He's the deliverer. They're excited. They're, they're ready for this new chapter in the history of Israel. And Jesus comes in to go out. What does he do when he enters Bethany? This is what he, I, I, I love this. This is one of the most interesting parts. And, and you have to wonder why Mark even puts it in. The very next verse, it says, On the following day, when they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. 
When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And watch this. Jesus says, and he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, if you have these expectations that, that Jesus has come to conquer, he has come to overthrow, he has come to be a military and a political figure, and he comes in full of victory and full of truth and full, full readiness to, to, to take his proper seat of authority in Jerusalem, you have to wonder why in his first act as king, the very first thing Jesus does is he goes out to a fig tree and he curses it. You have to imagine, like, put yourself there from the perspective of the disciples and be there with Jesus in this moment. And, and even his closest followers at this moment, they, they still don't have quite the full picture of what Jesus is there to do. You know, living in the 21st century, being 2,000 years removed, we actually have a luxury that these disciples didn't have. You have to imagine the, the sheer shock, the confusion, the, the lack of understanding. Everything that they had known and expected of Jesus, everything they thought that he had come to do was, was to come and to rule and overthrow a military power. But instead what he does is he leaves and he goes to find some figs. And you have to wonder, I have to imagine that one of the disciples maybe to, turns to another disciple and he says, you know, what is he doing? What is going on right now? This is not the time to eat. This is not the time for figs. This is not the time to rest. Jesus, now is the time to take over. Jesus, now is not the time for figs. Why, Jesus? What, what is this? Like, like, we thought you were here to, to, to start a revolution, to start a rebellion, to, to launch something new, to start a new chapter. And you want to go find figs? You're wasting your time with a fig tree? What's actually happening here is remarkable. And to really understand the full scope of this, we have to circle all the way back to the beginning. We have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter three. And you have to wonder, and it's, it's a fair, even, even today, it's a, it's a fair thing to wonder at. Like, why would Mark include this in the gospel? Mark is, is the shortest gospel account of Jesus. It is the shortest, um, both in terms of chapters and in terms of the, the sheer number of, of days that it tracks with Jesus. Why include, why include this specific moment? Why, what, what's the point of the fig tree? In this, this military high point, this, this moment where they expect Jesus to come in and conquer, why does Mark include it? And, and, and to fully understand it, we have to circle back to the very beginning of it all. We're going to go to Genesis 3, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 8. It says this. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now this is the moment. This is the turning point for all of mankind. This is the moment where sin, death, shame, um, all the horrid things, sickness, pain, tears, all of the, the, the future strife and anguish and difficulties of the world can all be traced back to this singular moment with fruit from a tree. It says, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees 
of the garden. See, it might not be immediately obvious to us, but Jesus in this moment, this moment of subverting an expectation, this moment of coming in as a conquering king, but actually seeming to take this little sidestep out of his calling and towards this random fig tree. Jesus is actually doing something far greater, deeper, and, and sheer just transformative than we could ever expect of a conquering military or political figure. See, when Jesus points to that fig tree and he curses it and says, may no one eat from your fruit again, he's pointing back to this moment in Genesis where from the moment that sin entered the world, the moment that shame entered the world, the moment that a bite was taken of that fruit, the man and the woman realized their shame, saw themselves not as imago Dei, people in the image of God, saw themselves as one like God, saw themselves for who they were, full of shame at their own nakedness, and they sewed together leaves from the fig tree. And what's important to know is that a fig tree's leaves are very prickly, they're very painful, they're very sore, they would not make comfortable clothing. And so, so, so what Jesus is saying in this moment is he's, he's saying, no, 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 no more of this you guys figuring it out for yourself. No more of this man covering their own shame. No more prickly, painful covering for your sin and shame and whatever you're feeling. No more of that. May no one eat from the fruit of the fig tree again. See, the fig tree represents man's attempts to reconcile back to God. The fig leaves represent man's attempts to cover over their own sin. And in this moment, when all the people are expecting and wanting and desiring a military political figure, Jesus is making a deeply profound philosophical theological point. He's saying, may no one eat from this fruit again. He's saying, may no one cover their own sin and shame again. May no one be forced to, to make their own coverings from you again. May no one eat from this fruit again. And fast forward just a few verses in Genesis 3. God takes this moment and he, he curses the man and woman. He curses the serpent. And, and this is the moment that they're expelled from Eden. But before he does, in verse 21, he says, it says this. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So he replaced the painful, the prickly, the, the, the uncomfortable clothing that they had made for themselves. And he made a garment of skin. What's the implication? implication is something needed to die to cover their sin, to cover their shame, and to cover over them. He made garments of skin to replace the garments of fig leaves. So what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying for once and for all, man no longer needs the covering of the fig leaves. Man no, no, need, no longer needs to cover their own shame, no longer needs to do it alone. Instead, someone is going to die to make a covering for all. And it's a beautiful moment. Jesus is in, in this, this seemingly innocuous moment, this seemingly subversive moment. What's he doing? He's, he's, he's taking the expectations of a conquering military political figure, and he's saying, no, I didn't actually come in this moment to conquer and overthrow a geopolitical force. I came 
to conquer and overthrow the covering of sin, shame, death, and the grave. Someone, Jesus, is going to die and make a permanent covering for you. And that's the alternate ending that's so important for us to get. So we've, we've been spending the whole month telling our stories, sharing our stories, talking about these moments in time when the stories of heaven intersect with the, the stories of earth. And this is the alternate ending that Jesus says. This is the alternate ending that Jesus has for all of us. It's not that it's, it's no longer going to be about what you bring to the table. It's no longer going to be about whatever shame you carry, whatever grief you carry, whatever experiences you've been through. Now it's about grace and mercy and peace and kindness and the covering of the blood of the lamb over you for forgiveness. And now no longer does God see you for your shame or your past or your transgressions. He sees the blood of his son as a covering, a covering of flesh, a covering of blood, a covering that is the forgiveness of sin. And that is the alternate ending. That is the alternate story that Jesus Jesus himself has invited you and invited me into, and he calls us into it deeper and more fully every single day. There is an alternate ending for your story. There is a new beginning for life with Jesus. And that, that is his invitation to you. To say it is no longer about the fig leaves or the things you can do for yourself. When you hear fig leaf, think things I can do for myself is no longer about that. Jesus says, may no one eat of that fruit again. May no one um, settle for, for clothes of fig leaves again. Instead, I have made a fresh garment, a clo clothing in white as snow of purity, of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness of sin. And you are to be clothed in that. That is your alternate ending. And that is Jesus' invitation for you. And the whole point of this series, the whole point of this past month is to be able to take those stories, to take your beginning and your middle, replace it with Jesus' end, and then share it with another person. And that's Jesus' invitation. You no longer are responsible for the end of your own story. You're no longer responsible for your story at all. He has invited you into an alternate ending, an alternate story, an alternate telling, an alternate reality is a new life. Second uh, Corinthians 5 says, if anyone is in a new is, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and has been made new. What a beautiful invitation. If you've ever thought to yourself, if you've ever been alone or if you've ever been in a moment um, of honesty and said to yourself, there has to be something more than this, then you are in good company. In fact, I, I would argue that you are in the best company because the answer from Jesus is there is. There is more grace. There is more truth. There is more mercy. There is more forgiveness for you in your story. Wherever you are, whatever you have done, there is no one who is too far gone. There is no one who has done too much bad stuff to escape the forgiveness of Jesus and the covering of his blood and sacrifice. And that is what this next week of time is about. See, so this Friday, we, we're, we're celebrating a um, moment, remembering a moment in Jesus' life where he willingly gave his life to make that covering a reality. This moment that all of Israel, if you were a first century Jew, you would have expected Jesus to come in and conquer. But instead, what it looks like is the king had been conquered. 
And we'll remember that moment together on Friday, but the glorious hope for all of mankind is Sunday. That next day where the king is risen from the grave, he has conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he is full of new life, full of grace, and ready to forgive. And that is the story that you have been invited into and that I have been invited into. And so this week, as we've, we've spent the last month talking about these, these intersecting stories and these moments and these, our own stories and heaven's stories and, and the stories of our, our relationships and our circle of friends, I want to encourage you to invite someone else into that new story with you. See, the Christian life was never made to, to, never meant to be lived alone. It was always meant to be lived in a community of like-minded fellow believers. And sure, it is a diverse community full of different political opinions, full of different ideologies, full of different persuasions and, and callings and, and thoughts. But the one thing we have in common and the one thing we share together at all times is the alternate story that we have been invited into. And so for the next few minutes, we're actually going to take a moment. We're going to pray. And I'm believing that in the next couple minutes, as we sit here in the presence of God, as we meditate on his spirit, as we let him speak to us, that Jesus is going to call to mind some very specific individuals, some very specific individuals that are in your life, that have, that God has placed you in their life strategically and for a purpose. See, if, if you're here and you're a believer, if, if you've committed your life to Jesus and you have accepted that invitation into an alternate ending, it doesn't stop with you. In fact, it's important that we do this life with other people and we actually are the agents of inviting people into that same alternate ending. And so for the next two or three minutes, we're going to pray. And as we do, um, it's important that you pray and you just are receptive to what the Holy Spirit has for you and has for your friends. So for the next few moments, we're gonna to go together, we're gonna to sit in the presence of the Lord, and we're gonna ask him to bring to mind the specific individuals that he wants to call in to this alternate story. So why don't you pray with me right now? Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for who you are and what you've called us into. God, we open our minds to you. We open our spirits to you. We open our hearts to you. We want to be receptive of what you want to do. We want to re be receptive of your plan, your will, your, your thoughts for us, God. And so for the next few moments, God, we open our heart and we ask you to speak to us. Give us the, the specific individuals that you have in mind in this moment, God, that we can invite into this new alternate ending. Jesus, we love you and we praise you.